Welcome to this conscious life. In this world where we are relentlessly plugged in, yet increasingly disconnected, forever doing, yet so rarely just being, overwhelmed with unending information, yet still longing for the truth, it's time to come up for air. Here we create space for you to breathe, to reflect, to feel, to recall who you are when you are not doing, chasing, wanting, who you are when you allow yourself to trust, surrender, feel and flow. Our regular gentle reflections which focus intuitively on all that is happening in nature around us month by month offer breathing space in the busiest day space to nourish and nurture, rest and restore, just as nature intended. I've been thinking so much this week about sweetness and life's sweet spots and about how my cravings for sweetness and sugar cravings as well um, often relate to a lack of kind of deep, true, rooted nourishment in my life and nourishment that isn't just about food, that's about um, goodness and sweetness in lots of other ways. It's been a bit of a turbulent time the last few weeks, last couple of months really. Our girls have both been a bit poorly and missed school um, and that always means that I sort of drop everything in my hands and just focus on being with them and I love that time. I, it's it's welcome and it, it does warm our hearts and I find that I sort of return to a childlike state often and just cozy up with them and do very little. And we often have those sorts of conversations when they're poorly, when they, they're very soft and warm and bless them, quite sort of porous um, feeling and, and they open up more and it's really obvious that their need for love is, is that bit greater. And it always makes me think about how, as adults, you know, we lose that connection so often. You know, when I fall ill... I often crave my mother's warmth and her love, but it's not often that I physically receive it anymore. You know, life just gets too complicated. We all live in different places and everyone is just so busy with all of the myriad to-dos and, you know, the everyday. You know, it has, it's been a bit of a rough ride over here and work's been um, a little bit unstable in ways. Um, not my new job, but other things that I that I do um so some you know financial worries have crept back in and that that really leaves its mark and it really untethers us I think um we've had work worries on the tech side as well with our with our website which we have worked so hard to build ourselves and design and you know all in a bit to save money but we've put so many weeks and months of work into it and um it was unfortunately targeted by hackers um last week and we lost we lost so much work we lost so much of what we'd created um we felt like everything had gone back to square one 
and we were very worried about not being able to share the things that we'd promised we would share and you know when you've worked extra hours to get extra things done you know as always with these things we often find that the good and the sweet stuff that we need to fill our souls and salve our spirits you know that they're those good bits are sort of just left to the crumbs you know the crumbs at the bottom of a biscuit packet and they're just like a little smattering at the end of a mad day and it's you know it's not nearly enough to fill us up and make us feel whole and make us feel like ourselves once more i've been feeling my way through these things with a mixture of um curiosity and and uncertainty really i think it's interesting that almost without fail our lives can become susceptible to that domino effect and we can experience good things all at once you know in response to our own clarity our own openness a feeling of well-being and receptiveness our own calm and happy energy or the converse you know we can we can feel subjected to a cavalcade of really challenging things of illness and uncertainty and you know almost like the cruel twists of fate you know really unexpected that come from nowhere and i know that the latter you know those things that really feel unfair and wrong and make us feel angry and agitated i know that you know our reactions to them can be very different based solely on where we are in the day how we've arrived at that moment and what our own lives have felt like and looked like in the run up to it you know i can really feel that when life becomes too busy to to really embrace and welcome and sink into the sweetness of experience and feeling to savor things and to rest to laugh to love to wander and to wonder we can begin to to harden ourselves to life rather than open ourselves up to it and we can begin to see that in our faces sometimes you know, I, I often notice that there's a line that can appear between my brows, my eyebrows, and if I've been working too hard or I've been sleeping poorly, just holding too much worry in my heart or holding onto something that's hardening my heart and sort of roughening its edges in some way, I can literally start to see it in my face. And then when I do the opposite, when I approach things from a really rested and peaceful place and state, if I've been sleeping well and eating well and laughing <laughs> and loving, and when the busyness of a day hasn't, hasn't managed to eclipse my own personal needs, my needs for space, for light, for nature, my face is soft and bright and clear and, and I can see the light in my eyes and it makes a big difference and sweetness is is a recurring theme in our lives our mother's milk that first primal instinct and desire that taste of sweetness so incredibly powerful you know that's life for us and it's love for us that taste that that milk it's life and love and they're inextricable so it's no wonder that we crave sweetness more powerfully than any other flavor or any other taste and it's no wonder that 
Sometimes we find ourselves longing for it in a way that defies logic. You know, we talk of that kind of primal hankering and need for something sweet in the run up often to, to us menstruating or during. And, and it's not surprising, you know, our body's asking for more nourishment, more love, more comfort, more care. It's a very deeply rooted thing. And I wonder if, like me, you might find yourself craving sweetness more intensely at times when life is perhaps less sweet in other ways. I think about when life might start to feel bitter, when things might start to feel bitter and hard, and you know, how often I crave sugar more as a result. You know, for several months this year, when my well-being was in a very good place and I was meditating, I was sleeping well, I was finding lots of time to read and paint, and I was immersed in learning new things. I was taking books out from the library and curling up and making notes and just getting lost in my own world and my own time. I found that my sweet cravings subsided so much And that automatic um, sort of knee-jerk thing of wanting to reach for a piece of chocolate after a meal, you know, that that slipped away. And that hankering for for those um, sort of comfort sweet things of my childhood, things like scones and cake and hot cross buns with jam, you know, always jam, that subsided too. And today having earlier polished off a very delicious scone with lots and lots of jam and I've had a lot I've really been craving scones and jam and butter and um (laughs) things that I don't normally have at all and um we we often look for plant-based alternatives to these things but the craving is still there and it's still it's still satiable you know it's still something that we that we want and something I enjoy and I always enjoy it without guilt because if I want it and I choose to eat it the least I can do is enjoy every bite of it otherwise I do myself a huge disservice I ruin the joy of it by placing on you know unnecessary unwelcome guilt on the experience but these cravings have really got me thinking about the power of sweetness and when and why they rise up. And I really have come to believe that they rise up more insistently the further away we move from life's sweet spots and perhaps even the further we take ourselves from the loving touch of our mothers, our families, our women, our sisters, our friends, our circle. And I think most crucially, really, ourselves too. We tell ourselves often to talk to ourselves as though we are our own best friend. You wouldn't say that to a friend, so why on earth do you say it to yourself? You know, we say that, we say it to others, we hear it a lot. You know, the only person who will be with you every single moment of every single day of your life is you, it's yourself. And how can you ever expect to move forward in life with joy, with purpose, with clarity, with love, if you don't even like your own company? 
And though I advocate this all the time, I write about it and I talk about it often, I fell foul of my own advice several times this month. I made some really silly mistakes in in motherland, um, in my life, where I was rushing to ready myself for my first day of work. I've started a new role as editor of um, a magazine. It's called O, O H O. Um, and it's a job I'm really, really enjoying, but I was, you know, I was trying to get ready and I had lots to pack in my bag and I had things, you know, that I was kind of ticking off my mental to-do list whilst also trying to get my daughter ready, um, to run her to the train station for a school trip. And I flew out of the door knowing I had everything I needed in my arms, um, and my daughter by my side but I left her school bag behind and it had her lunch and her water bottle in it. And I realised once we arrived at the station and though I'd left enough time for us to get, you know, get into the station and have time, you know, to send her off and all those things, I didn't have enough time to go home and retrieve her bag. And what upset me, I think, most of all was that my husband had gotten up early as he often does, and he'd made her a really lovely lunch to take with her that day with extra snacks and he'd he'd put like He'd actually made her like tea in a flask and really sweet things. And in my haste to be where I needed to be and to get her where she needed to be, I overlooked the absolute basics, you know, the stuff that was necessary. I overlooked her nourishment and I just left her bag behind. And that I had done that really floored me. And even now talking about it, you know, obviously, you know, forget, I forgot her school bag. Of course, it wasn't the end of the world, but you really start to, to beat yourself up. And, and this was something I realized I'd started to do. And I, I really don't like rushing. Um, I, I'm not great at leaving huge amounts of time to get things done. I often do things with a little bit of a, a last minute, um, last minute uh, attitude but I know that I mustn't rush because it brings out the worst traits in me I'm in Ayurveda I'm very pitta which is fire and also very prone to vata imbalance which is wind so um you know that mixture of wind and fire makes me both kind of cross and forgetful um which is which is really quite unhelpful and so I know that rushing is something I need to avoid at all costs So I really was just very cross with myself and I had to buy her a train station lunch from, you know, one of those coffee shop chains and she had a plastic water bottle and a plastic wrapped sandwich and all of these things I found very triggering to know that, you know, the things I consciously avoid in my life and my life with my family and for my children, things that generate waste that is so unnecessary and needless Well, they, you know, that was a taste of my own medicine, wasn't it? Because I had rushed and I had moved unthinkingly through my morning. And as a result of not moving consciously through my morning, of leaving enough time to do everything that needed to be done, I was then forced to make choices which I, you know, were not conscious ones. Uh, I had to grab what I could at the station so that she would have food to eat and water to drink that day and you know it was it was one of those funny old ironies that make you sort of step back and think here I am writing about 
ethical living, conscious living and and conscious choices and and you know I'm I'm running out of this coffee shop chain with a with a bag full of all these kind of plastic package things. And you have to laugh and I did laugh. And you know, I was doing the best I could do in that moment, but it could all have been avoided had I simply given myself enough time to do what needed to be done and had I simply been a bit kinder to myself that morning. And that word unthinkingly, you know, it's it's at the root of it, isn't it? When the things happen that we could so easily avoid or minimise if we didn't rush and race. And, you know, all the things that are the very essence of this podcast, the very essence of everything that I write about. And I, you know, when I thought about it a few days later, and it sort of set off this little chain reaction of events that I touched on earlier of me racing to work that morning of me letting my kids down or that's how it felt of me being cross with myself all day I sent myself I sent my husband the most furious message about myself and my ineptitude and he said baby come on like it's an you know it's an honest mistake it was an accident it's fine and I didn't see it like that at the time and of course now I realise it's nothing and its perspective has been gained. But I could see how just that one day and that and my unkindness to myself as a result set off a bit of a chain reaction. And it's taken far longer than the incident itself to unravel and understand. And this full moon that that passed um recently, the full moon in in November, you know, it's offered up very welcome respite because even though I was struggling to sleep I was laying awake that night and I felt I felt kind of empty but not not as though there were a void or a kind of bottomless pit of nothingness I felt I felt a space opening up and I started thinking again about sweetness and how I'd been craving it so intensely and honey, which I absolutely love, we've always got raw honey at home and I and I enjoy it so much. I have it with nut butter and cacao nibs and, you know, all manner of delicious things and just spread it on toast with loads of almond butter. Love it. But I ordinarily find it too sweet to just eat straight off the spoon. Well, that week I hadn't. I craved it and I wanted it and I was eating it off the spoon and it really tasted like nectar. And that feeling of I need this, and that's always really, really telling. It's always it's always a flag being waved by this root core need, this thing underneath. Why is it? What are we lacking? Where is it coming from? Why is our body hankering after this so powerfully? You know, I'd been treating myself with a lot of judgment, and if I'm really honest, I suppose borderline contempt really at times and I'd been rushing from A to B with barely a breath in between I'd gone back into the world of commuting something I had not done for a long time and though it was only a few days a week it was a struggle and actually I think there's this sort of 
inhuman feeling about commuting at times and not when you get a seat on the morning train and everyone's reading or just it's peaceful and you're looking out of the window that's really enjoyable I, I like that time it helps me kind of come into the day but at the end of the day when everyone is rushing onto that platform and everyone's exhausted and it's standing room only and no one's allowed to sit in those uninhabited chairs in first class so this entire carriage is empty whilst everybody else is packed together even though everyone has paid an exorbitant amount for their train ticket I find that maddening it's just inhuman why wouldn't you let people sit down wherever there are free seats instead you've employed someone to stand there policing these empty seats and telling people that they're not allowed to even stand in the carriage and you know that sort of stuff triggers me because it's just unnatural you know you have 50 people standing and you have 30 empty seats let people sit down for goodness sake it's just madness and you know, I carry that sort of frustration with me. And I found that I was reading the newspapers more because I was on a train and they were more present in my life. I was getting a bit more worried about about the things happening in the world. I've, you know, everything to do with the climate has been an ongoing theme. And it's something again, which we've made such conscious choices within our own households, you know, to sort of feel that, we are doing our bit and we want to and we're not waving it over anyone else it just feels natural to do it and yet you know I'm like every other busy person out there I get caught out and I and I grab a bottle of water from a from a coffee shop I grab I grab a you know a plastic pack sandwich from from a coffee shop because my kid needs her lunch so again it's that thing of who you hold yourself up to be and what you resort to and what you must do when you have fewer choices on the table and it's a really sobering thing to touch on and to explore because we don't live in an ideal world and we don't live our best case scenarios often we do the best that we can in the moment and that's a really important thing to remember when we are navigating our lives and really helpful in remaining kind and appreciative and accepting of ourselves so I was thinking all of these things and I could you know I could feel that kind of vein of bitterness rising in me and that sort of feeling a bit a bit harder and a bit more negative about things and it really isn't welcome it's never welcome it's not helpful it doesn't feed us it doesn't nourish us it you know it's the root of illness a lot of the time and I could feel that those sweet spots that I'd spent so long cultivating and nurturing I could feel that they had sort of started to shrink you know the meditations and the moon work and the the early nights and all of those things which are the foundation of, of a full gentle kind soft easeful life well, corners were starting to be cut and I sort of slipped back into that terrible habit of um, trying to do a lot more in the evenings in order to make tomorrow a little lighter and a little easier 
And it's not the first time I've done it, you know, throughout my life, I've often moved between extended periods of really quite sort of radical self-care, where every device is off, candles are lit, baths are run, you know, cacao is enjoyed, moon meditations, women's circles, yoga, mantra, fireside, all of these glorious things. And, you know, when my life's kind of mapped by my cycle and my, my core needs, and then I've swung from periods like that to times when my core needs just gathered dust and they were just at the very bottom of the pile. But I hadn't, and I have not in quite a long time, allowed myself to lose sight of life's sweetness, life's real purpose and life's magic. And that's what I felt was starting to happen with recent events, really. And it's something that started to make itself known and something that I wanted to address rather than let fester. And it was when Paul and I sat down to write the lessons for our monthly seasonal living course. We, we run a seasonal living course called The Clearing. But the idea of sweetness and warmth really rose to the fore you know, people often comment on the amount of work that goes into the lessons that we create and how long it must take. And it does take a few days each month to write them all down and design them. And But it's really, really never, ever a chore. Far from it, because the lessons that are always very rooted in the moment and rooted in the season and rooted in truth and rooted in what we are so often collectively feeling and craving well they've become as much a tonic for our own souls as for the souls that we create them for it's medicine for us too and there's a recipe that was in October's lessons and it was um, to make an apple pear and cinnamon steeper more of a kind of assembly job than a recipe you know just fruit and cinnamon Um, really simple but the number of comments we got on it and that was so heartwarming because it's a a ritual and an experience that um, stoked something in me, which was quite quite uh, important and quite unique at the time. And this steeper recipe was inspired by a really a really bleak winter um, from kind of when the early years of motherhood for me. I had um, you know, I was a new mom. I had a new, had a newborn baby. She was. Well she, well, she was kind of coming up to four months, well, closer to three, actually, at that time. Um, and I was working full time and she was three months. So it was, yeah, it was tough. And I felt just really worn out. I was working full days and I was not working on any more than probably three or four hours sleep a night max. Um, and even that was quite interrupted. And I was juggling lots of new responsibility at work. And I was doing well at work, but I was kind of sinking without a trace in all other ways. And, you know, I would I would dash out for lunch every day and then I'd return to eat it at my desk. And I remember passing a cafe one day and there was a blackboard that had the words apple and cinnamon steeper on it. And there was a little um, little illustration in chalk. And I remember my mouth watering. I remember feeling dehydrated a lot at that time, probably because I was still breastfeeding and I just wasn't managing to hydrate my body properly because I was, I was at my desk. I was always so busy. 
and cinnamon is something I crave a lot um and it's lovely because it's you know nature's natural sweetener and it's also been shown to balance our blood sugar levels so it's a helpful craving I suppose but an evolutionarily smart one as well and I remember sitting down inside this warm cafe my bones were aching my eyes were stinging from tiredness I remember that I had to put eye drops in all the time because I was just so parched and tired and I ordered this steeper and it came it was this big bowl that like a drinking bowl that you hold with two hands and it came with thick slices of apple and pear in it, boiling water and a cinnamon stick. And the scent of it and the steam that rose up from it, I can still remember it. And I remember drinking that sweet, fruity, sort of gently spiced hot water, um, this steeper. And I felt it trickle down my throat and I felt it kind of move through my body as though... I saw it was sort of touching some forgotten place. It just felt really powerful in the moment. And I remember smiling. I remember closing my eyes and I remember smiling. And I remember in the moment as well, realising that the sweetness I'd been craving, which I'd which I had been trying to satiate with, you know, things that weren't helpful like slices of cake or chocolate bars, I realised that it was a really elemental, primal and pure craving and this was fruit and it was spice and it was steam and it was really just the sweetness within me that I missed. Just an ability to smile and laugh freely, to see the bright side of things, to sleep deeply without any worries, to sleep, you know, like the proverbial bear in the cave. That's how I used to sleep. I used, my head used to hit the pillow and I would be gone. I would be in the depths of sleep. I would sleep blissfully without any interruption and I missed it. And I missed that feeling of waking up as though you were full. You were full because you were fully rested and just felt as though I'd spent so long feeling half alive and half empty and half myself really with those early years of motherhood that just take so much of us and I thought about the breastfeeding and the pumping and the cupboards and the loos and the tending and the co-sleeping and the way in which my cup was really down to just its last drop and I think looking back in it, looking back at that moment and back on that time, I think that's what that cup that I held in my hands and both hands, and I think that felt quite symbolic. I think that's what it came to represent for me. And I cried into that cup that day. I remember crying and I didn't sob. It was like a silent cry, just some tears escaping. And I think I probably cry quite a lot those days. But there was a sense of re-remembering myself. And I love that, clarifying that idea of remember, as in the pieces of yourself put back together again. Remember yourself. And I resolved to find the sweetness 
there was a small, a very small little ripple that began that day that then set off another chain reaction and one that ended with a butterfly effect where we left the city. I reduced my working hours. I chose to work flexibly and I went freelance. Because we moved and we found a home in the countryside, I immediately reconnected with nature, with the seasons, with the sky, with the earth. I decided to follow my interest in holistic well-being and studied Ayurveda. And I began to make sense of the pieces in my puzzle. And not by studying the fragments, but from finally kind of reviewing and witnessing the full connected final picture and what that ought to be and not in terms of a goal or a destination but just in terms of a feeling what it felt like to have the fragments come together what it felt like to follow the heart what it felt like to seek out life's sweet spots and to consciously do so you know a full cup that sweet steeper, just a clearing in the woods, a good night's sleep, and a life that was really well fed, you know, a life that was fed on a lot more than just the crumbs. And I think in the next episode of this podcast, I'm going to explore all the ways in which we can feed ourselves on a lot more than just the crumbs on a life, build a life, create a life where joy and sweetness really abounds and where it resides at root level and all of the sweet, welcome, warming, loving practices that we can start to explore and introduce, particularly as the world and the weather and the seasons feel that bit more bitter. To listen to more episodes, subscribe at iTunes. And to learn more about living a more conscious life, visit us at thisconsciouslife.co. Thank you for listening.